Good morning, family. Um, yeah, I hope what I'm saying links to that rather interesting video that we just watched. But the general gist is about loving one another. So let's go with that. And uh, if I come unstuck, I can always crack out the finger puppets. It's necessary. Right, so... This morning, we are continuing our series in the book of Proverbs, and the whole aim of this series really has been to help us practically in various aspects of our daily walk with God. And when you read Proverbs, it can be easy to find individual verses that just seem to hit the nail on the head for a specific topic. However, The book is really meant to be read as a whole to gain a deeper insight um, into the wisdom that the Lord wants to impart with us. And I would highly recommend, whether you've read it many times or never before, that you read it and you seek God for his wisdom. Because ultimately, we serve a loving and practical God. Yes, he requires our obedience, but he gives us the tools within the Bible to live out our lives in the knowledge that he only has good for us. Now, as you read Proverbs, it becomes apparent that the book not only serves to give you practical advice, but it also challenges you. It makes you stop and it makes you think. Now, I'm sure we can all recall a time when God, either through his word or through others, has challenged us in such a way that we stop and perhaps maybe even wince a little at how close to the bone it can feel when we receive the wisdom and insight that we've needed for a specific time in our lives. Indeed, it says in Proverbs 3, verses 11 to 12, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. Now, in this series so far, we've heard practical ways in which we can have self-control and how we can guard our hearts. And earlier in the series, Paul Thomas spoke on a big topic within Proverbs, which is sex, and how we in our relationships need to have humility and acknowledge our propensity to be tempted Well, I too today want to talk about relationships, but I'm going to take it with a wider remit. And I want to look at how, as individuals and collectively as a church, we can demonstrate love in a biblical way so that it serves as a witness to those around us. Now, I don't think, in all honesty, there is one proverb that encapsulates completely how we're to love one another. In fact, the whole Bible was written to teach us how. But that said, this series is meant to give us practical advice on how we can love one another. So, with that in mind, I have chosen Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 to 25. You see, when we love one another and to seek honestly and fairly in our relationships, it serves to extend the kingdom. Because when we love one another as God intended us to... It not only speaks volumes to those outside of the church, but it also strengthens our own character. And one of the most powerful ways that we can love one another is when we choose to be kind and we choose to be generous. 
So in Proverbs 11, 24 to 25, I'm going to read you first the NIV version, and then I'm going to read the message version, because I also like that one as well. So it reads in the NIV, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And in the message it says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Now, I'm a mother to two children under the age of six, and a common phrase in our household is, please just be kind and share. Now, This is usually a phrase that is mostly met with a sigh or the reply, but it's not fair, it's mine. To which I then find myself asking God for wisdom as how to not throttle them. Well, as an adult, when asked by the Lord to be kind and generous and share, well, if we're being honest, our response might be the same as that of a small child. It's not fair, it's mine. Or more likely... We're thinking, I know this is the right thing to do, Lord, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what it's going to cost me. Money, time, emotional energy, discipline. But the truth is, we always feel much better after having helped someone. And quite frankly, we always feel a bit rubbish when we've reacted to a situation selfishly. So, what can we learn from Proverbs about our relationships with one another? What can we take practically from this passage that I've chosen today? Well, those of you who know me, I love a good old three-point sermon. So, with that in mind, I want to focus on three areas that Proverbs presents us with each time we read the book. Now, I'll be tailoring these areas to focus on our relationships with others, but I believe that these three points can actually have equal application throughout the book of Proverbs. So the areas I want to focus on are, number one, the challenge, number two, the opportunity, and number three, the blessing. So, the challenge The book of Proverbs is most definitely a challenging book. And indeed, it actually comes as a little bit of a shock to the system, as it's immediately preceded by the book of Psalms, which is full of expressions of emotion like love, pain, joy, and praise. And then along comes Proverbs, which hits you straight between the eyes with its frankness and at times brutal honesty. As Tim Keller writes in the introduction of his book, The Way of Wisdom, a yearly devotional based on Proverbs, if the Bible were a medicine cabinet, Psalms would be the ointment put on inflamed skin to calm and heal it. Proverbs would be more like smelling salts to startle you into alertness. You see, this book is meant to challenge you, and it's meant to provoke a response. So... What is the challenge we see today in how we approach our relationships with one another? Well, the challenge I believe we see in today's passage is, I dare you to be kind and generous and see what the Lord can do 
with your obedience. Now, that's a dirty word right there, isn't it? Obedience. We hear it and it immediately can get our backs up. And the truth is, the human heart has always struggled to take instruction. Now, I'm conscious that most of them are in that room, but I wanted to ask the younger people, and in fact, actually, I'll let you decide what that age means. By a show of hands, how many of you liked or like being told what to do by your parents? Oh, look, there's a husband up at the back. Right, all right, okay. (laughs) Okay, all right then. So... How about another question? If you didn't raise your hand, how many of you know or knew that your parents loved you or love you? Perfect. Well, love, that's the sole motivation of the whole Bible, let alone Proverbs. It's because God loves us so much that he wants to impart his wisdom to us because he wants us, he wants us to live our lives to the fullest. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. You see, right there, God reveals his promise to us of what we will receive when we accept the challenge and choose to be kind and generous. Our world will be richer and it will be better for it. So what about the opportunity? Well, we're presented daily with opportunities to be kind and generous Ultimately, it's our choice whether we take up these chances. Now, whilst Proverbs doesn't give us a definitive list of the ways in which we can be kind or generous, as you read it, it becomes clear that it challenges you to open your eyes and to look for ways and opportunities in which we can demonstrate kindness and generosity. Now, I just wanted to show you a short clip from a Norwegian advert, and in it, it was part of a national campaign across the country, and it just shows in it a very simple act of generosity. It's such a lovely little clip, that one. And, and what it shows is those children, they had a choice. I mean, they could have thought, well, I could go hungry if I share my food. But instead, they thought, do you know what? I don't have to worry about whether or not my lunchbox is going to be full today or even the day after. I can give out of my plenty. And we, too, can give out of our plenty Now, I appreciate there may be some people here today who feel they don't have enough to give, even though they may really want to. 
But what we must realize is that no matter how much or how little we may have, in the Lord's hands, it can reach far beyond our own expectations. You see, what we must remember is the Lord, he's looking at our hearts. He's not looking at our resources. I mean, like the old woman at the temple, she only had a few coins, but she gave them willingly. And the truth is, God can't bless that which we give resentfully. You see, it's our hearts God wants. He doesn't need our money or our resources. He will, of course, use them to bless others. But what he's really, truly seeking is a transformation in our hearts. The one who blesses another is abundantly blessed. You grow in your faith as you see what the Lord can do with your choice to be generous. Now, this sermon is not meant as an attempt to challenge you on what you're doing with your money. Because money, quite frankly, is not our only resource. And in fact, I'd go so far as to say that actually our most precious resource is our time. You see, when we make time for our family, our friends, and even those we don't yet know, it presents us with amazing opportunities to see God at work, both in our lives and in the lives of those we share our time with. For example, our community outreach projects here at King's present incredible opportunities to demonstrate God's love and the heart of kindness and generosity that he wants each of us to experience and to have. And Jesus, more than anyone, was generous with his time. He never rushed past opportunities to show God's love and kindness and to share his wisdom. And in the New Testament, we read the well-known story of the feeding of the 5,000. And a story I'm sure that many of you will have heard several times over. However, as I was preparing for this morning, I saw that what this story perfectly actually demonstrates are my three points for today. In the story, we see the challenge, we see the opportunity, and then we see the blessing. So in Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to 44, we see one of the recordings of this miracle. And what I wanted to do very briefly is just read a part of this passage to you. And then I'm going to stop at the points where we see the challenge, we see the opportunity, and then finally we see the blessing. But let me just paint the picture a little for you. So at this point, Jesus and his disciples are talking about their ministry and how it's going so far. And Jesus suggests that they go to a quiet place to find some rest so they can have a chance to eat and reflect. However, many people recognize them and they run on ahead so that by the time Jesus and the disciples reach their destination, the people are already there waiting expectantly. And it's here that we take up the passage at verse 35. And it reads, By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. And it's there that we see the challenge. 
And I found it quite interesting that Jesus presents them with the challenge. I mean, he could have easily found or indeed made the resources himself. But by asking the disciples to seek out the food, he was asking them to move by faith and not by sight. In that they needed to believe that whilst it may appear we have little to give, when we surrender it willingly to God, he will do great things. Don't let the enemy or worldly views tell you you have too little or nothing to give. God can do immeasurably more than we can ever imagine when we entrust what we have to him. So what about the blessing? So we carry on at verse 37. So he says, you give them something to eat. And then they said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we going to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. Now at this point, Jesus gives the crowd an opportunity. He gives them the opportunity to act generously and give what little they had. And in this case, they chose to believe that Jesus, as the son of God, could do immeasurably more with their resources than they could have ever done in their own strength. You see, when God presents us with opportunities to be kind and generous, his intention is not only to bless those that we share our time or resources with. But he also gives us as individuals the opportunity to open up our hearts to him and to receive his blessing for our lives. And then finally, what about the blessing itself? So when they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to sit down taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all and they all ate and were satisfied. Now, I felt it was worth mentioning here that Jesus thanked the Lord for the food because he too recognize that we need to submit our resources and our hearts to the Lord and we need to let him perform the blessing. And I always found it really interesting picturing this scene in my mind. If you can imagine the disciples as their, in their hearts, they initially gave reluctantly, like, okay, not too much. Hang on, hang on, I've got more people to go. Hang on, hang on. And then as they saw the miracle unfold before their eyes, you can just imagine them growing in faith and just giving it willingly, Yeah. Take it, take it, take what you want. Because they knew it was not of their own doing. But it was the provision of the Lord. And you see, in this passage, the blessing for the crowd and the disciples was clearly not only nourishment for their bodies, but it was also strengthening of their faith. You see, fundamentally, they had to trust Jesus. And when we surrender and trust our time, our money, our emotions to the Lord and say, you, Lord, you do what you want with my gifts. It's then we see the incredible blessings 
that can flow out of our decision to be humble and obedient before God. And finally, the blessing. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. You see, the incredible thing about our choice to be generous in our relationships with others is that both parties are blessed. There is a clear promise in this passage. A generous person will prosper. God, he will do good unto those who freely demonstrate his love to others. You see, when we choose to give willingly out of what the Lord has already given to us freely, we grow in our faith. And others can then witness the Father heart of God. When we steward well that which the Lord has already provided us with, we gain so much more than material or worldly evidence of God's love. We grow in our character and we deepen our relationship with God. Now, sometimes the blessing from our obedience can be seen immediately, like when we help someone who needed that extra amount of cash to buy a train ticket, or we help with some DIY at home. Other times, the blessing can build over time, such as when we invest weeks, months, or even years in the lives of our family, our friends, or our work colleagues. You see, Proverbs challenges you to stop and think. Don't be stingy with what you have. Because in all honesty, the main reason you've got what you have is because God gave it to you in the first place. When we withhold from the Lord what he's given to us, we're effectively denying him the opportunity to grow our faith. We're in effect saying, I don't need you, Lord. I'm growing, I'm doing fine, just on my own. I believe what this passage in Proverbs is saying is great wisdom and humility comes from knowing that without the Lord's guidance and blessing, we will always find that our world gets smaller and smaller when we're too focused on what's in it for me. How can I benefit? It all boils down to this. God loves us. And because he loves us, he gives us guidance through the book of Proverbs. Now, whilst it may appear difficult at times to follow the instructions given, hold my hand up to that, what we must realize is that in doing so, we begin to see the true nature of God's heart. We can see that because he loves us, he's not prepared to stand idly by and just leave us to our selfish means. But that said, nor will he force his way into our lives. We must choose to open our hearts to him and to receive his love and grace for ourselves. And when we choose to accept his love, we're then able to discern that that love will come at times in the form of discipline. And in turn, if we accept the discipline with humility we can then see our faith and character in Christ grow. So, this week, and in fact, 
over the summer, I challenge you and myself to open your eyes and heart to see the opportunities that God has for you to be kind and generous to those around you. Now, it could be as simple as helping to clean up the kitchen after dinner. Or maybe it's checking in on that family member, friend or work colleague that is in need of support. Or why not just ask the Lord to put on your heart an individual to pray for? And if you're nervous about approaching this situation, yes, even the dishes, know that God is with you and he will guide you. It says in Proverbs 16:20, those who trust in the Lord will be joyful. And finally, I just wanted to share with you this definition of kindness that I came across this week. Kindness is loaning someone your strength instead of reminding them of their weakness. Who this week could you share your strength with? Go into this week knowing that the Lord is your strength. And in his word and in his presence, you will find peace and you will find refreshment for your soul. Amen.